A time that sticks out in your mind that you'll never forget. I can think of a few uh, in my life. I knew exactly where I was when the Challenger explosion happened. I was at school. Remember that? You could probably name where you were there. I was at seminary when the uh, Twin Towers got hit. I remember that, sitting in chapel just hearing about it. I was also at seminary where I met a beautiful woman whose name was Ashley. I remember the day specifically, November 1st, 1997. Yeah, I remember what she was wearing. Uh, And I remember the soccer fields uh, in Dallas, Texas, when I got the news that my father died. There are just certain times in your life where you remember what happened. And today that you're going to see, that's what I think... If we get to heaven and we ask Joseph, what, what a day do you remember? He's going to say, I remember the day when I revealed myself to my brothers. And that's what I pray happens with you today, that I pray that you'll remember this day uh, as a gr- one of the greatest pictures of salvation in the Bible. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 42. And uh, we've got a lot to cover today. 134 verses. Um, other congregations would take this, these chapters in about seven weeks, but not us. We are the brightest. We're going to do it in about an hour. So, Genesis 42. Also to turn to Psalm 105 and put your finger right there in verse 16. Psalm 105, verse 16. Today uh, we're continuing in a series called R828, All Things for Good. Uh, lessons from the life of Joseph. Uh, today's sermon uh, is going to talk about God's providence and our redemption, our uh, repentance and our restoration. If you want a big picture of these uh, four chapters, uh, 42, 43, and 44 could be called the salvation of sinners, and 45 is the mission of the saved. And so we're in Genesis 42. I'm going to just dip a little bit back into the last verse of 41. If you see that, moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. And so if you were to flip over to Psalm 105:16, where did that famine come from? Did it just come because the weather didn't cooperate? And there just happened to be a time where um, the elements didn't uh, help the people. No, in Psalm 105:16 it says, "When He, that is God." If you were to connect that with Psalm 107, 105, verse seven, the Lord God, when He summoned a famine on the land, God is providential over all that happens: hurricanes, tsunamis famines, market crashes. God is sovereign over all of that. And he summoned a famine on the land and he broke all supply of bread. That Nile, that Nile that flows from uh, south to north, that the rains in the Congo and goes straight down the Nile that has this plush land. They never had to worry about rain. A famine occurred because God allowed it. And in 17, it says he sent a man ahead of them. That is the family of, of Jacob, Joseph. The second youngest son who was sold as a slave. And this just kind of summarizes all that we've talked about up to this point. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. Until what God had said had come to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Joseph had been given dreams. He said, you will bow down to me. And until that time, we didn't see that happening. And you're going to see it happen today. 
that the king sent and released him. All of a sudden, in the afternoon, in the time it takes to shave, uh, Joseph goes from a servant boy, a shepherd boy, to a slave, to a steward over Potiphar's house, to a prisoner, and now he's the prime minister, as God had planned. The rulers of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house. He said, in all of Egypt, you are a father. In a sense that even Pharaoh was coming underneath the guidance of God's chosen man. And to bind his princes with pleasures to teach his elders wisdom. And we'll look at 23 through 25 next week. Now, if you flip back to Genesis 42, you see God's sovereign over the famine. He got Joseph where he needed to be. That Joseph was the person that everybody had to come to. The whole earth had to come through Joseph. And in 42, when Jacob had learned there was a grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you look at one another? I I could just see him sitting in Canaan and they're thinking to one another, "Uh, yeah, we got to go to Egypt to get food. And they know what's going on because for 20 years they've been hiding something from their father. They knew that if they were to go to Egypt, that would remind them of what they had done earlier. They had sold their brother into slavery. And so if you're key taking notes in verse one, you see here and you'll see all the way through verse 20, the word conviction. God will bring conviction on the soul of a person. And God often uses others to convict us. And they may not even know why it's convicting. And he said, behold, I've heard there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Joseph, or Benjamin is probably 20 years old by this time, yet Jacob doesn't want to let him go because he's remembering back to the day when he sent Joseph off to go find his brothers and he never returned. And thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came. So the whole earth is coming to Joseph. For the famine was in the land of Canaan. And now Joseph was governor of the land. You uh, think back to how he got there. Wasn't a smooth paved road. He didn't uh, fill out his application form. He didn't get a bunch of votes. And he didn't get elected into office like that. It happened at God's timing in God's plan through a lot of pain. Here is Joseph governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came. And look what they did here. They bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Dreams do really come true. You see Joseph sitting there going, hmm. Because Joseph saw his brothers and he recognized them. Can you imagine that? Because Joseph didn't necessarily know uh, when and where this was going to happen. He's, he's the one uh, distributing the food. Here come ten brothers, and he sees them, and he says, I know who those guys are. Look what he did here. Now, brothers, if you have brothers, uh, don't get any ideas here. This is descriptive of what Joseph did, and in a sense, what God can do. But it's not something we get to do. Joseph treated them with like strangers, and he spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from, he said. They said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And so he was named, Joseph was named, if you look back up in uh, chapter 41, verse 45, Zephanath Paneah, which means God speaks 
And God lives. And so what you're going to see, what I'm going to see, what we're going to see in this, in a true historical event that happened, we're going to see a bigger picture of God speaking and God living through this man, his chosen man, Joseph. Where do you come from? He said, we came from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. Here they are bowing down to him saying, we've come to you to get food. And here's what he says to them. You are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. And he said, and they said to him, no, my Lord, your servants, we have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. Notice what they said here. We are honest men. That's what happens with humans. We start out believing better than we ought. of ourselves. We're honest men. We're servants. Uh, we have never, we're, your servants have never been spies. Now, why did he choose spies? Why did he say, you guys are spies? He could have said, you guys are terrorists. You guys are, he said spies because what he's starting to do is he's going to surface for them that they will have to face their sins. And they thought Joseph was a spy. They thought Joseph was one who was spying on them and then telling their father. And so he's now turning, as God so often does in the life of an unbeliever, he will start to put the wrench down and tighten things up. And he says, you are spies. He said to them, no, it is the nakedness in the land you've come to see. But Joseph said to them, it is as you said, you are spies. And by this you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. We're going to see if you're honest men, as Jesus would say, bear fruits or John the Baptist, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined that your words may be tested, whether there is truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in custody for three days. Now, that's not bad. Here, he'd been in prison for like 20 years. He's just going to give them three days to think about it. You guys really want to go down and and you, you guys really going to prove yourselves to be honest men? He said, here's the test. You know, tests are given all the time. Uh, back when I was growing up, there was the famous taste test. People were blindfolded. Can you test the genuineness of this soda pop? Uh, those of you who are teachers, give tests to test the genuineness of somebody's knowledge. If we were to go back to Genesis 22, it says, and God tested Abraham to see whether his faith was true. And so here, Joseph, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, speaks roughly with them, calls them spies, and he's testing them. Will these men prove faithful? Will this conviction that comes upon them bring a confession? On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this and you will live. He gives a hint, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined here, confined where you are in custody, and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households and bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die. You're going to die unless you confess and you come to the point of in your life where you show me that you have repented. And look what they do. They don't do it to him, to Joseph, but to one another. In 21, they start this process, so to speak, of confession. They said to one another, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother. 
in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. This is why this distress has come upon us. Now, they're wrong in why this distress, but what you're starting to see is conviction will bring confession. And people, when they come to know the Lord, will start to work in their own life and say, I am guilty. And Reuben answered them, did I not tell you? You always have one of these brothers. Did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you didn't listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. And they did not know that Joseph understood them. For there was an interpreter between them. Joseph is listening to this whole thing. He's speaking to them in Egyptian. It's through an interpreter. But he knows his Hebrew. He hasn't forgot his roots. And he's listening to them. And he hears them say, we are guilty. We did this. And look what he does. And he turns away from them and wept. And he returned and spoke to them. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Why he took Simeon, we're not given a reason. But if you're walking through the line, you have Reuben, who has already discredited himself because he took his father's concubine. You have Simeon, who's next in line, and he just pulls him in. Maybe it's Simeon and Levi back in 34 in Shechem. He was just a gnarly guy and he wanted to remove him. We don't know. But now Simeon's been removed and there's one person now in line to be the leader. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and replace every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. And this was done for them. Can you imagine that? You go, let's say you've wrecked your car and you go to the dealership and you have saved enough money to buy with cash and you go and you purchase that car with cash and you're driving home, you and your babe, Ford F-150, all the packages, you know, it's got a, the, the uh, serious radio, radio, and you're just hanging out. You get home. They even showed you this cool trunk in the back of the truck bed, and you get home, and you're starting to, and you open that trunk, and all your money is in there. You would have enjoyed that, wouldn't you? Right? All the money is in there, and you're like, this cannot be. Now, that's a good dealership, right? They put all the money back in there. This is what's going to happen. They loaded their donkeys with their grain. They departed in verse 26. And as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey fodder at the lodging place, they're at Motel 6 on the way back to Canaan. He saw his money in the mouth of his sack and he said to his brothers, my money has been put back here. Here it is in the mouth of my sack. And notice what happened. We have conviction brings this confession and the Lord is working on their hearts. And this, their hearts failed them. Right? You buy that truck. You get home. You say, Jana, this is a nice truck. You go show her everything, and all of a sudden the money's in here. You're like, I didn't. That's not me. I was. I literally handed them this cash. Their hearts fail, and they tremble because they realize this is not right. And they said to one another, what is this God has done to us? There is conviction of sin. There's this confession that there's guilty, and there's this realization there's this coming to terms that God is very real in your life. And when they came to Jacob, their father in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man, the Lord of the land, spoke roughly to us and took us to be spies of the land. But we said to him, We are honest men. We've never been spies. We have twelve brothers, the son of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the Lord of the land, said to us, By this And I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me. Take grain for the famine of your households and go your way. 
Bring your youngest brother to me. Then I shall know that you are not spies, but honest men. And I will deliver your brother to you, and you shall trade in the land. What happens here is we start to see that God uses others to convict us. And we start to see that God is in control and we have nothing that we can do about our situation. They go and they tell their father. And as they emptied their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And we and they and their father saw their bundles of money. They were afraid. Oh, my. What are we going to do? This is not right. And Jacob, their father, said to them, you have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more. So he thinks. And Simeon is no more. And now you would take Benjamin. All this has come against me. Then Reuben said to his father. Now this is he's making progress. This is not uh, pure bravery. Kill my two sons. If I do not bring him back to you, put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. Okay, it's kind of a cowardly offer, but in, in, in moving from where he once was to where he is coming, sometimes we make puzzling statements. Uh, kill my two sons, you know. Uh, that, that, what if I'm standing with my wife and, and, the, and the debates are here and we're going to find Addison and I say, kill my two sons. She would just say, well, wait a second. What are they doing? Why don't you put yourself up for surety? So Reuben's making progress. He's not quite there. He's a little cowardly. In his responsibility. And Jacob says to him, but he said, my son shall not go down with you for his brother is dead and he is the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you make, you would bring my gray hairs with sorrow to shield. You're in a no-win situation. Conviction brings this beginning of confession. You realize God is in absolute control. And now there was famine was severe in the land. The Lord, you know, in our lives, if you're making a connection to today, we, we go to a city market and there's there's I, I sat um, for two minutes. Why two minutes? I don't know. Trying to discover which barbecue or steak. So I mean, there's a whole section of the store. and I couldn't decide. They all looked good. But God may not bring spiritual or physical famine in our lives, but He may bring a spiritual famine, a time where you're just hungry and yearning for something deeper because He is trying to get you to a point where you will confess your guilt and you will realize you're not in control. And when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go again and buy us a little food. What do you think Simeon's thinking? I thought they were going to go back, get Benjamin to come down. You know, they had a bunch of grain, so it's been at least more than a day, week, maybe in a month. Here's Simeon. Maybe he's feeling a little bit like Joseph. But Judah, now watch this. But Judah said to him, the man solemnly warned us, saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we'll go down and buy food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For this, for the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. And Israel said, why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? And they replied, the man questioned us carefully about ourselves and about our kindred, saying, is your father alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him was the answer to those questions. Could we in any way know that he would say, bring your brother down? And this, if you have 
young men as boys that you're raising up, fathers in here, this is manhood 101. And Judah said to Israel's father, send the boy with me. We will arise and go that we may live and not die. But we and you and also our little ones, I will be a pledge for his safety. Not my two sons, not anyone else. I will be a pledge. I will be accountable for his safety. From my hand, you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If we had not delayed, we would have now returned twice. We realize the significance of our sins and we start to take responsibility for our actions so much so that we're willing to lose our life. I'll be assured. This is manhood 101. You don't have to teach anything. It's not about how fast you can run 100 yards. It's not how much you can bench. It's men, will we take responsibility? I want to be in my own life and I want to raise up a church of men who will say, give it to me. Not, oh, I can't do it. I, I, I look at the long list. Give it to me. I'll take it on. You need it done? I'll get it done. That's what we need. That's the way we need to be training our boys. That's the way we're, we're training Luke and Lawson to say, what's the situation? What are you guys going to do about it? Don't make excuses. Make it right. That's what we need in America. Because we need for men to raise up and say, what needs to be done? Okay, what are, what are my resources? How can I help? I'll go take care of it. That's what Judah does here. Not Reuben, kill my two sons. Judah. Send the boy with me. I'll be a pledge. Hang on to that word pledge. We must be willing to lose our life for the sake of others. Amen? Sounds like Jesus. Then their father said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags and carry a present down to the man. A little balm, a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, almonds. I, why those? I don't know. Just a gift. It's lip balm and pistachio nuts. It's a nice Genesis gift we can give to each other. Take double the money with you. Now that's good. Carry back with you money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Meaning, maybe those guys didn't realize what they were doing. Let's return their money and take more money to buy more food. And look what Jacob does. Take also your brother. Arise. Go again to the man. And notice what he says here. He appeals to the only thing that we can appeal to. May God Almighty, may El Shaddai, may the one who is over all the heavens, may the one who is all powerful grant you mercy before the man and may he send back your brother and Benjamin. As for me, I'm bereaved of my children. I am bereaved. Jacob realized your only hope is God. We are convicted. We confess. We get to the point where we know, see that we are no longer in control and we finally cry out, God help us. So the men took this present and they took double the money with them and Benjamin and they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, can you imagine? This is his little brother. Little blood brother and he sees him and he goes, He's playing it cool. He's played the rough and tough guy. And now he says to the steward of his house, bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready for 
the men who are to dine with me at noon. They're going to have lunch with me. And the man did as Joseph told them and brought them in into Joseph's house. Now, here they go. They come down to get food to pay back the money. And all of a sudden, they're going to Joseph's house. And the men were afraid, rightly so, because they were brought to Joseph's house. And they said, it is because of the money which was placed in the sacks the first time that we were brought in so that he may assault us and fall upon us to make us servants and seize our donkeys. Oh, when we get fearful, it leads to paranoia. We start talking to ourselves and other people. This is why this is happening. No clue what's happening. And so they went in with the steward of Joseph's house and spoke with him at the door of the house. And he said, oh, my Lord. So you, you move from, from this conviction of sin to this confession, in a sense, to yourself that you are guilty to realizing God is in control and you must appeal to his mercy. Now you're going to confess before others. Oh, my Lord, when we came down the first time to buy food and we came in the lodging place, we opened our sacks and there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack and our money in full weight. So we have brought it again with us and we have brought our money down with us to buy food. We do not know, do not know who put money in our sacks. And he replied, peace to you. There's comfort when you're willing to say, Here, here's what happened. There's com- peace to you. Don't be afraid. Trembling, afraid, afraid, peace. And that's the way it is when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a fear that haunts us of death. There's a fear that haunts us of being found out. There's a fear that haunts us of what's going to happen. And then when we come to the point that we realize God is in control and our only hope is Him, there's peace. What about the market? Peace. What about kids dying? Peace. What about getting cancer? Peace. Peace. Then they brought Simeon out to them. And when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water and they had washed their feet, he had given their donkey's fodder. They prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they had heard that they would eat bread. They had to wait for the Savior of the world to have a meal with them. They were anticipating his coming. If this isn't a bigger picture of something great, I don't know what it is. And when Joseph had come, they brought into the house to him the present that they had with him. Remember lip balm, pistachio nuts, and bowed down to him to the ground. If this doesn't remind Joseph of, here are my brothers bowing down to me. And he acquired about their welfare. Is your father wealth? The old man of whom you spoke, is he still alive? How's dad? He's just not telling, but in his mind, how's dad? They said, your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads and they prostrated themselves. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw Benjamin, his mother's son. And he said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. And Joseph said to his brothers, whoops. I almost gave the story away. That wasn't good. I flipped too far in my Bible. Then Joseph hurried out for his compassion grew warm for his brother and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and he wept there. He sees his little brother. He's being reunited to all of his brothers. He can no longer necessarily compose himself in front of them. So he moves off and he weeps. Joseph wept. Jesus Wept because he cared for his brothers. Men, it's okay to weep. 
Not at steel magnolias. But it's okay to weep. And when you're sitting with somebody and they're in the midst of pain, you weep with them. It is masculine to weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And then he washed his face and he came out. He must have just been wailing. And and controlling himself, he said, serve the food. Now watch this. They served him by himself and them by themselves. And the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves. And so you have Joseph's table, you have the brother's table, and you have the Egyptian's table. Why? Because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And so Joseph's still, in some sense, playing this character out, but he can't sit with them. But notice what he does. As they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth, and the men looked at one another in amazement. Oh, long before God reveals himself to you, he knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly who you are. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And notice what he does here. Portions were taken from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as the others. And they ate and drank and were merry with him. And so the brothers are sitting there and you've got Judah all the way down to Benjamin and they get steak and potatoes, chocolate cake on down and you get to to Benjamin and he's got like five of them. He's got like half the cow, whatever they're eating. I don't know. Lots of salad, a plethora of fruits, more glasses of wine than one can handle. And they're going, this is amazing. This is amazing. How did he know? How did he know? And so conviction brought a confession, which brings about an understanding that God is in control. And then there's a public confession, which brings comfort. And now there's a celebration. They were merry with him. We deserve death and we get dinner. Amen. If that isn't a picture of the marriage supper of the lamb to come. All the foods in the world will be there and we'll be happy. Now watch this. Then he commanded the steward of the house to fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack. Joseph's still playing with the guys. And you say, is that fair? Should Joseph be doing this? I mean, is it right for, for uh, this Christ-like figure to be um, messing with these guys? Psalm 18 says, with the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself, literally the New Americans says, you show yourself astute. God can play the game with anyone. And so Joseph wants to see how these guys' character is going to match up. Have they truly repented? I uh, told them they had to go get their little brother. They did it. They even left one with me and they did it. I sat them down in birth order and I was the youngest at one time uh, when, when we were going out into the land and they disowned me because favor came upon me. And now I gave favor to the younger brother and they didn't seem to care at all. Is their repentance true? He goes one step further and put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the youngest with his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph told him. 
And as soon as morning was light, the men went away with their donkeys. And they had gone only a short distance from the city. Now Joseph said to them, to the steward, up, follow after the men. And when you overtake them, say, why have you repaid evil for good? Is this not, is this not from this what my Lord drinks? And by this he practices divination. You have done this done evil in doing this. Not that Joseph's practicing divination. People go all off on this. He is in he is in character. He's playing a role here. And so this is the idea. You would steal the master's cup. Behold the money that we found in the mouths of our sacks where you were brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? Whichever your servant has found with it shall die. We also may be the Lord's servants. You don't offer that's too much. You get pulled over for speeding. If you show me on your clock that I was one second over, you can you can take my house and family too. Just don't go that far. Kill kill whoever has it. And they played right into his hand. He said, "Let let it be as you say. He who is found with it shall be my servant, and the rest of you shall be innocent." Then each man quickly lowered his sack to the ground, and each man opened his sack and he searched, beginning with the eldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Oh to commercial. You've seen it. You've watched your shows, whether they be reality shows or your favorite shows. It's the build-up. It's coming up. And then, boom, cut to commercial. So we'll just wait 30 seconds. No, I'm kidding. We'll carry on. We've got lots to cover. Where was it? Ah, Benjamin Sack. Then they tore their clothes and every man loaded his donkey and they returned to the city. This is where... Once you are convicted of sin and you confess your sin and you say, I'm guilty, and you come to see God's in control and He's the only one you can receive mercy even after the celebration, how is your character going to stand up in a situation that you do not understand? How are you and I going to react? When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there and they fell on the ground before them. And Joseph said, what deed is this you have done and I'm just reminded, I'm just reminded of Genesis chapter 3. What is this that you have done? Now are they going to make excuses? Like their distant relatives, Adam and Eve? Well, the woman that you gave me, and it was the devil who tricked me. What is this that you have done? Do you not know a man like me can indeed practice divination and Judah said and he didn't go into a long uh, treatise on how innocent he was he said what shall we say to my Lord what shall we speak or how can we clear ourselves God has found out the guilt of your servant behold we are the Lord's servants both we and he also whose in whose hand the cup has been found we said that if you found it you could take him You could kill him. That's what we said. There's nothing we can do. Except for Judah says, far be it for me that I should, or Joseph says, far be it for me that I should do do so. Only the man in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for you, go in peace to your father. He's given him one last chance. You can leave Benjamin here and you can just go off like you've done before. Leave the younger brother behind, innocent, sell him into slavery, and you just go on. Then Judah went up and said to him, O my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ears. and Let not your anger burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. 
You're, you're like a God. My Lord asked his servants, saying, How have you a father or brother? And he went and said, We have a father, an old man, a young brother, the child of his old age. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. He said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, the father would die. Then you said to your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not see my face again. He's replaying this whole thing for Joseph. Joseph knows exactly what's going on. And he, when we went back to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And when our father said, go again, buy us a little food, we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother goes with us, then we'll go down. For we cannot see this man's face unless your youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One he left me. And I said, surely he has been torn to pieces and I've never seen him since. Talking about Joseph. If you take this one also from me and harm happens to him, you will bring my gray hairs even in evil to Sheol. Now Judah steps up into manhood. He told his father he would take responsibility for Benjamin. And right here, he lays his life on the line. Now, therefore, as soon as I've come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, then as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to Sheol. Father, I will be a pledge for his safety. Here, for your servant became a pledge, a pledge, a payment the Holman Christian Standard says accountable. It's accounting language. It's I have come. This is why I label this our redemption. Something was purchased and bought back. Your servant has become a pledge of safety for the boy to my father. Saying, if I may not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy. As a servant to my Lord. And let the boy go back with his fathers. <clears throat> For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. From conviction to confession to understanding God's in control to a public confession and celebration to showing your character. We said we would do this. You found it. And right here, showing courage. Take me. Don't take me. This is good. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him. And Joseph made himself known to his brothers. <clears throat> and he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph's said to his brothers, I am Joseph. He's got no interpreter. I'm assuming it's in Hebrew. It would be like you and I out somewhere in another country speaking through interpreters and then I come in and say, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? Now watch this. God's grace can be puzzling. His brothers could not answer him. What is going on? they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, 
I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And he reveals himself. I know all about you. And it says down in, later on that they talked with him. And the idea is, I think they're saying, so you, you kind of played this role? Yeah, I needed to see if your repentance was real. And look what he says in 5. Catch this, beloved of Jesus at Eagle Bible Church. Catch this. Do not be distressed, that is, anxious or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Don't live in your past. Don't be anxious. Don't be angry. And don't be... How many times I've heard, well, yeah, I can receive forgiveness. I just can't forgive myself. That's just not true theologically. But too many people live in the past. That would be like me saying every time I get up, oh, woe is me. I was such a wretch in college. I did this. It's true. And God changed me. I was a drunk. And God changed me. I didn't do good things. And God changed me. Period. End of story. Let us move on. For the famine in, has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. Again, he repeats, for God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Now watch what he does. You move from conviction to confession to God's in control to celebration to your life and character is on the line and you show courage. And here he gives them a commission. A commission. Really? Yes. Hurry. Go to my father and say to him, Thus says your son, Joseph, God has made me Lord over all of Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. You shall be near me, you, shoo, you and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. I will provide for you. <clears throat> for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of my honor in Egypt. Wow. You mean to tell me, the commission from the Savior of the world at that time is to go out and tell people they, they must do this. Tell them of the honor that he has in all the world. That is the Great Commission. You're telling the world to come to the one man that they have to come to, and you begin with your family. And he says, I love what he says in 13. You must tell my father of all my honor and of all that you've seen. I love what he says this. Just go at a leisurely pace. Take your time. Is that not what your Bible? That's what mine just says. Just go at a leisurely pace. Take your time. Uh, don't be in any rush. Uh, life is, you know, life is like a box of chocolates or whatever. Just eat and drink and be merry. No, he says, hurry. And we seem to live, and I'm not saying go out and, and drop everything. God's providential. He works over millennia. But we don't seem to have a sense of urgency about the gospel. I know I don't. I'm just 
And I, I'm assuming no temptation has overtaken me, but such as is common to man. I, I, I shy. Maybe I'll share the gospel with my neighbor. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get around to it someday. I mean, I'm into relational evangelism. Got to build it for years and years. Yeah, uh, maybe not. Hurry. Then he fell upon brother his Benjamin's neck, and Benjamin wept on his neck, and he kissed all his brothers, and they wept, and he wept upon them. And after the after that, his brothers talked with him. Can you imagine? Oh my! You mean to tell we left you? Tell me now. What you tell me that again? Yeah, yeah. You sold me into slavery. Remember, you threw me in the pit, and then I thought you were bringing me out. And I was all happy, but then you actually handed me off to the Midianites, and then they sold me, and then all of a sudden. I'm standing in there and Potiphar comes and wants me. And, well, uh, you know, I, by God's grace and for his glory, the Lord gave me these dreams. And so I was just going to be faithful and I was just working hard. And it was just like everything I worked on. It just it just was blessed. And then I got promoted to the second of his house. And then this hot Egyptian woman kept coming after me. Here I am like 18 and I've, I've never even been on a date. And so I'm trying to escape her. And then I do, and then I left my robe, and then she blames me for having sex with her, and I stand up for myself, and they throw me in the prison. And then I'm in prison. Do you remember God gave me those dreams where he helped me interpret these two dreams, and one was good news, and one was the bad news, and I, by God's grace and for his glory, shared both the good and the bad news. And then I got forgotten for two years. Really? Yeah. And all the time the Lord's working on my heart, this is divine speculation. I could have been bitter at you guys, but I'm not. You saw what he said. Don't, don't be distressed or angry with yourselves. Because God showed me that in the pain in my life happened for a bigger purpose. I, I just filled that in there right after verse 15. I don't know if that's how it happened. That's just... Go with me. And when the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, here's a foreshadowing, a foreshadowing. If you've read... Exodus, and you know they plunder the Egyptians. You've said this, and you saw this paragraph, and you're like, this is amazing. Joseph's brothers come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this. Load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan. And take your father and your houses and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. And you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt. For your little ones and for your wives and bring your father. Have no concern for your goods, for all the best of the land of Egypt is yours. Don't just leave your stuff in Canaan. Just, I've got better stuff here. You've got like um, old clothes. I've got new clothes. You've got old cars. These chariots are nicer. Come on. They're plundering the Egyptians. Wow. So the sons of Israel did so. And so Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh, gave them provisions for the journey. You mean to tell me when you come to the Savior of the world, He doesn't just provide exactly what you need, but He gives you a people, a place, provisions, a purpose, abundant and overflowing? That's what Ephesians says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. To each of them, he gave a change of clothes. You guys, those are outdated. Put these on. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 shekels of silver and five chains. That's his little brother. going to take care of little brother. If my brother were to come here, Jared Rumley were to come here, 
And we were to all go out and do something. And the Lord blessed me. And it was Jared and Adam and Heath. And I would get Adam something. I'd get Heath something. But little brother, he gets more. Just deal with it. You would do the same. That's what he did. To his father, he sent as follows. Ten donkeys loaded with good things of Egypt. Ten female donkeys loaded with grain. Bread and provision for the father on his journey. He gave them a great commission. He gave them everything they needed. And he said, go. And notice what he says here in 24. Here's our conduct on the way. Then he sent his brothers away. And as they departed, he said to them, don't quarrel on the way. He's thought of everything. Because what's going to happen? Oh, I can't believe you did this. Don't quarrel. It's like Jesus said, go and sin no more. So they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father, Jacob. And they went and told him the good news. Joseph is still alive. Can you imagine how hard? Not only do they have to be reconciled with the one who can save them, they have to be reconciled to the people that they've sinned against. You've got to go tell your father, I'm still alive. Can you imagine? Dad, we've had a lie for 20 years. Your son's still alive. We sold him. We didn't want to deal with him anymore. That was a lie. We brought this back to you. He brought his coat of many colors. Who Nobody liked that coat anyway. And he's ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his, that's Jacob's heart, became none, for he didn't believe it. This is too good to be true. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, no new news, just the good news. Did you catch it? No new news. The gospel is not for us to discuss. It's for us to declare. There's nothing new. It's the same old story. And when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father, Jacob, revived. And he said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. Can you imagine, your Daddy? Can I, I can't even imagine my son being away from me and me thinking he's dead. Me having given up. And then my other son is taken, thinking, what's going to happen to him? And then he, I come and I hear the good news. Luke is alive. I would, I would, I don't know what I would do. Brings tears to my eyes and I will go and see him before I die. Conviction, confession, comfort, celebration, character, courage, commission, and conduct. If that isn't what we're to do in our Christian life, I don't know what is. And if, I hope you notice that God knows us before we know him. Joseph knew his brothers before they knew him. That God loves us before we love him. Joseph loved his brothers before they loved him. God calls us. Joseph knows what he's doing by getting them to bring their brother back before we call on him. And did you see that? God sent me before you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. And did you notice about the brothers? Listen to this language. This is the language straight from the text. We are honest men. Really? We're being punished. Tell me if this doesn't sound like your own self. I'm a good guy. I'm being punished. What in the world is God doing? 
we finally get to the point and we say, what can we say? How can we justify ourselves? We say we're accountable. That is salvation. I'm not a good guy. God's not punishing me. He's actually doing something unbelievable. He just justified me. Praise be to the Lord. And do you see their spirit? They were terrified in His presence. They were angry and worried about their past. And we come to Him, He gives us people, a place, provision, and a purpose, and we must go with celebration and not quarreling. If you don't see the sovereignty of God, the sinfulness of man, the salvation of man, and the spread of the good news, then I have done a horrible job of showing you that is the message of the Gospel in four chapters. That is God's providence in our redemption. We must repent, we are restored, and then we are responsible to go to the world. And as we've been showing you every every week, we'll end with this. Something greater than Joseph is here. Yes, in that story, he is literally the godlike figure in Egypt, the savior of the whole world, but he's just a picture. That Jesus in John 1 came to his own and his own did not know him. In John 4, Jesus pointed out the sin of a woman. You're right. You don't have a husband. You have five of them. But then Christ weeps over Lazarus. In another Gospel, He wept over Israel. In all the Gospels, He weeps in the garden. And then He comforts the repentant. My peace I leave with you. Let not your hearts be troubled. And then Christ offers them a meal. Not only a symbolic meal to be done as often as you wish, but it represents something that will come. The marriage supper of the Lamb. And all along, your and I's life, Christ is testing our character. How are you going to do? When you're sitting across from a guy that you've built a relationship over with two years, and he lays it on the line, you're telling me you believe every word in that Bible. You're telling me there's no other way to get to heaven. I am. And I'm not ashamed. You may reject me, but the King of the universe loves me incomprehensibly, and you can walk away from here thinking I'm a fool, which would be really funny because the Bible says that's what you're going to do anyway, and so you're just proving the Bible. So, either you repent and come to know Jesus, or you call me a fool, and in a very loving way, I win either way because the Bible's being proven true. You mean He's given us a commission? Yes. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. And you mean... We're not to go and dilly-dally along the way. No. See, when Jesus Christ comes, He he doesn't just redecorate our lives. He renovates. He clears out the old. He brings in the new. You and I must face our sin. We must take responsibility. We must be courageous. And we must go unified. Don't quarrel. Don't argue. Don't live in the past. Go. Go. I'm done. Father, it's a great conclusion, wasn't it? (laughs) Father, there's nothing better than just to see the picture of salvation in the Old Testament. We covered a lot today, Lord, and I'm sure 
that your spirit is at work in comforting some, convicting others. I pray that he would compel us all to go urgently and share the good news. That there is one Savior of the world who not only offers you forgiveness, but offers a feast. Who will take our spiritual famines and fill us again. I pray for those of us in here today who know the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe we're walking in the wilderness of life. Be it in our marriage or with our kids or in our job and just wondering what in the world you're doing. Pray that we'd understand your providence and see that you're working all things for good. Help us to stay faithful and strong. Give us the courage of Judah to give our lives away for something bigger than ourselves. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.